Welcome to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. It is November. It is November. That means it is uh, it's National Adoption Month. And who better to help us talk about that than our friends at Lutheran Family and Children's Services of Missouri. Thanks to our friends at Concordia University, Wisconsin, for supporting Faith and Family. You can find out more about them on our website at kfuo.org. Look for Dub in the sponsor section. We're very grateful for their support. In studio with us today, friends from Lutheran Family and Children's Services to help us learn more about National Adoption Month and the, the what it means to be uh, an adoptive family in studio with me today, Catherine Banks, a new mom, uh, <laughs> a new tired mom, <laughs> <laughs> new, 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 new tired mom. Catherine, welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. A joy to have you in studio. I can't wait to hear your story and to share it with our listeners today. And returning uh, guest here on Faith and Family, Melissa Frederick. She's the program manager of adoption services for Lutheran Family and Children's Services of Missouri. Melissa, welcome back. Thank you for having me. A pleasure to have you in studio. And thanks for all you do. Thanks for for uh, taking some time out of your work. I know that you uh, you serve many people and uh, are pulled in many directions. Uh, and so I really appreciate you coming over to spend some time with us today, so we can learn more about adoption. Catherine, tell us about your family before uh, be- before your adoption. Well, tell us about the Banks family. Uh, the Banks family. So uh, it was my husband and I, and our two cats and dogs. Um, and, uh, while we love the cats and dogs, maybe me loving the cats a little bit more than my husband, um, (laughs) we knew we wanted to add to the family. Um, and so, um, got married in 2014 and fairly quickly, uh, started trying to have a family the traditional way and, and things just weren't working out for us. So then had to start looking at other options that were available. When did you, so, so what step did you take then to, to find those other options? I assume, assuming adoption would be one of those that you were considering. Yeah. So, um, there was a lot of research on the internet, um, where everyone goes, where everyone goes, the Google search. Um, (laughs) I also was fortunate. Um, I am an attorney who, uh, works as a guardian ad litem in family court. And so, I was lucky because I already knew um, of a lot of the different resources available and a lot of the agencies um, in the St. Louis area that worked um, around adoption. Um, and so I think maybe I had a little bit of a head start um, <laughs> and knew where to go and who to start asking when we started looking mm-hmm. at other options for uh, starting our family. So what was it that led you to LFCS? Uh, we did an interview, I think it was with Melissa, mm-hmm. um, just met with her and got some information um, and just really liked the feeling um, of a small agency. It was important to us to work with an agency that also was very supportive to the birth mothers. Um, and we found that Lutheran offered that. Um, we wanted it to be a... A, a positive to the extent that, you know, there is loss in adoption, right? Mm-hmm. But to the extent that it can be a positive experience for everyone, uh, we felt like Lutheran was able to offer that. Um, and then also um, because adoption is expensive, um, Lutheran also um, 
handled the financial aspect in a way that uh, fit with our family and with the needs of our family. So you had that initial meeting, that initial interview, learned more about Lutheran Family and Children's Services, met Melissa, and were there others that you met along the way as you were getting to know Lutheran Family and Children's Services? There were. um, Renita was the uh, worker who was assigned to us, our adoption worker, and so we got the chance to get to know her over the process, uh, the the course of the months that it took us to do the home study. Um, We got to know paper very well because there's lots of paperwork you have to fill out and uh we got to um you know lutheran also connected us with other families who had gone through the process um and i've been able to form a friendship with one of those mothers um that has been very helpful um for me Mm -hmm. and so um they really did a great job of um just providing professional support but then also just sort of the the people who can give you that day-to-day support Mm -hmm. to listen to you, you know, when you're frustrated or you're worried or concerned. So what were your thoughts about adoption before you had begun this process? What were your, you had some, uh, you know, previous knowledge due to your career, but what were your thoughts or your husband's or, or extended family? What were their thoughts about adoption, uh, before you started this process? Yeah, so uh, for me, I always sort of felt in my gut that adoption would be a way that I would not necessarily maybe start my family, but add to the family. Um, And so um, I was very comfortable with it. Day to day, I see families formed in all different ways through adoption. So it wasn't something that was very foreign to me, Mm -hmm. Um, but it was something that was very new to my husband. Um, And so it was a matter of having the conversation with him and introducing him to the idea and having him think about it and get comfortable with it and sort of understand it a little bit better. Um, That was important for us going Mm -hmm. through the process. We had already made the decision to move forward with adoption before we told our families. So they were kind of stuck with (laughs) what (laughs) what our decision was. Um, But everyone was very supportive and and very excited um, for us. What was the step in this process? Walk us through this process. What was the, as we go through these steps, I want to get to the one that where it, really started to seem real. But but walk us through this process. You had your initial meeting. You learned more about Lutheran family. Mm -hmm. We had our initial meeting. um, And then we had a series of um, visits with Renita, who was our worker. And the funny story I tell about that is... um, You would think, given my background and experience, I would be the one who was sort of cool, calm, and collected with our meetings, but I was always the one who was completely a bag of nerves. And so (laughs) every time she came over, there was something that I, like I, first time I ended up cutting my hand, I didn't realize it, and I handed her a glass of water, and there was blood dripping down my hand. The next time she came, it was a meeting where um, they meet with you separately. Um, And so I went out and ran with the dog, um, came home, jumped in the shower, promptly slipped and fell in the shower. Um, Oh, no. And, but they didn't hear me, I guess, downstairs. They were just meeting away. And so I came down trying not to limp, had a big bruise on my knee. Um, So it got to the point where Brandon would say before Renita would come over, just take a minute and just 
calm yourself down because, you know, we don't want you to go to the hospital or anything. We don't want any more right. injuries. No more injuries. You right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, meetings with Renita, like I said, a lot of paperwork um, that we had to fill out. Um, and then um, working on our um, life book, which um, is sort of... Uh, an album, a picture story of who we are with some narrative in it. Um, and it's really hard to figure out how to best capture the essence of who you are in, mm -hmm. a, in a limited number of pages. So that took a lot longer than I anticipated and was harder than I anticipated um, because you want to say the right thing. Um, and so that was, I think, one point where it was sort of getting to be real was when you were realizing you're putting this together for someone to view to select you. Um, and then once we got uh, done with the life book and our home study was approved and then you start waiting. And that's when it's sort of the realization of, oh, my goodness, we could get a call or an email or, you know, at any point in time. Mm -hmm. um, and how do you move forward with life, but also plan for this event that you're so excited about. And so um, I think it was during our waiting period that it was really kind of the, the realness started to set in. Um, what did you do during that waiting period that helped you get through? Because as you said, it could be any minute, it could be months, it, it could be a really long time. What did you do to get through that waiting time? <laughs> um, we uh, just tried, really tried to go on about life as usual. Um, we did take a trip to Chicago in the summer, um, you know, anticipating that maybe this would be you know, one of we we called it our baby moon. I guess that's a thing mm -hmm. now that that people who are having babies do. So we did a baby moon, and the hospital, not the hospital, the the hotel we stayed at was great. We shared with them, you know, why we were there, and they gave us a um, some gifts and a little note card, which was really nice to see them get excited too. Um, but then it was just sort of doing day to day um, and planned a trip with my girlfriends, although that didn't work out. <laughs> I was supposed to go back to Chicago um, in the fall to for a girls trip um, because it was the wait was getting hard at that point. And um, I thought, well, it would be great just to mm -hmm. go with my friends and sort of unwind and relax. And then, of course, that's when we get the the call from Melissa saying we have a potential match and ended up not going on the, the trip, which is fine and great and everything worked out well. But you just try and do the best you can to live life as normal. So the, and the friends were all, I'm sure, very understanding, perhaps even excited for you. Yes. And the sort of the funny thing is, is we decided not to tell our families uh, when we matched because we you don't know initially if the match is going to work. And so we didn't want to worry um, about the emotional toll that it might have on them. We wanted to protect them from that. Um, and so we decided and agreed that we wouldn't tell anyone when we matched. And so I ended up having to tell my friends that we had <laughs> matched. So they knew before mm -hmm. um, our family actually knew um, because we had to cancel the, the trip all of a sudden. But yet, you know, I understand the protecting others from the, you know, the the risk that there there might be, uh, you know, a disappointment. 
you share with your friends, they, they could support you through that too if there is some disappointment if the match doesn't work out. So, yeah, they and yeah, they were they were very supportive and and it was um I gave because people were flying in from different places in the country and their airline reservations, it was a conversation um that was over the span of a couple of weeks and it was nice to be able to have someone to talk to. You know, my husband was very supportive, but it was also nice to have someone else mm-hmm. to kind of talk to and and share um, thoughts and feelings. So, who supported you through this process? You you, you said family members were very supportive. Uh, were there, uh, in addition to your husband, were there others that you talked to about this process? Perhaps uh, other. Um, adoptive families? Uh, Yeah, the family that uh, Melissa connected us to uh, continue to be a support to us through the process. Um, I, as I shared with more people that we were adopting, it was incredible to find out how many people around us um, had been touched by adoption in their lives. Um, And so um, had the opportunity um, to speak with actually several judges that I would practice in front of regularly who were adoptive parents themselves, um, who were able to share experiences with me. Um, Our church was very supportive. Um, Work, both of our jobs were very supportive of us uh, during the process. Um, And so it, it really was a positive experience for us. We were very fortunate. Walk us through then you you got the call that you have a, a potential match. Uh, you cancel your 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 girls trip. <laughs> no more Chicago. No. <laughs> cancel your, your your girls trip. Um, that's when reality sets in. Yes, yes, <laughs> that was that was when reality set in. Um, we hadn't been selected yet, um, but the way the process works is Lutheran reaches out and asks if you would like your profile to be put forward for a match. So it's a mutual matching process. Uh, the birth parents. Um, review your profile, but they don't see your profile unless you're comfortable Mm -hmm. with your profile being put forward. So um, we were contacted. um, You're given a little bit of information about the um, birth parents and then asked if you want your profile put forward. Um, We had said when we went into the process that we wanted to be matched with a birth mother who had not given birth yet. Um, And so when we got the call, it was for a child who had already been Born, a little mm-hmm. girl who had already been born. And so um, it was having to adjust sort of what we had in our mind and our picture of the way that this was going to happen. Um, and we decided that we would um, go ahead and, and have our information put forward to the birth mother. Um, where, yeah. did, where did it go from there? <laughs> so more, uh, waiting. <laughs> more waiting, more waiting, more waiting, more uh, lots of lots of meetings, um, lots of questions, uh, lots of anxiety, lots of not being sure. Uh, the birth mother was trying to decide if she was going to parent or not, and we had to respect that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, our daughter was in a um, home through Lutheran. I, 
I don't remember exactly that it's like a foster it home. It is a foster home through Lutheran. Through Lutheran. Um, so we knew she was being well cared for. Um, but we also knew that her birth mother could decide that she wanted to parent and that was her right. And if she chose to do that, then that would be a decision we would have to accept as hard as that would be. And so it was a very challenging time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a scary time. It was exciting. We still didn't tell our family, um, again, because we didn't know which way it was going to go. Um, and we made the decision then, um, it got to the point where, um, the birth mother needed to make a decision, um, if on, if she was going to parent or not. And we were asked if we would be willing to take, um, Charlotte, who's our daughter, um, on an illegal risk situation, meaning that, um, the birth mother hadn't signed, um, the documents to terminate her parental rights yet. Um, and so we talked about that and decided we were willing to go ahead with that, um, kind of stepping out on faith. Um, and was that, that was a brave step. It was. And I don't think Brandon, my husband necessarily knew or recognized how much of a risk that was. I understood and knew from the work I did. Um, but I don't think you really know that until you've been around that really um, and what the ramifications were of that um, and so uh, we decided we would um, accept placement of her um, and it turned out that um, the birth mother came in and, and signed the paperwork to terminate her rights um, a couple of days before she was supposed to be placed with us so um, it all worked out. Um, we had tickets to go to Winter Wonderland and Tillis Park. Um, <laughs> we bought them early. Um, that those we didn't get to do because we had to run to Babies R Us um, on a Friday night and buy to, a car seat. to buy a car seat and all sorts of stuff. Um, that was fun too. We ran into the store and we were like, "We're getting a baby on Tuesday. What do we need?" Um, and that was fun because actually the people in the store remember us, um, and so and the zillion trips you make after you have a child, um, they would ask how our daughter was doing and, um, you know, remembered us from that night. So, um, she was placed with us November 22nd and it has been an exciting adventure ever since. So this is, uh, this is a year now? A year. Yeah. Tell, wow. tell them how you told them. Oh yes. Yeah. So this, <laughs> the the, this is, so the family still didn't know. Um, and in fact, they didn't know, we started doing pre-placement visits with her just so mm-hmm. that she would get used to us mm-hmm. um, and we would get used to her. Um, and we still didn't tell our, our family because at that point, um, birth mom still hadn't signed. So, so your family's like, where have they gone? They're like, they're what's always going busy. on? You know, <laughs> yes. they're not talking to us anymore. Um, and so um, she came home to us on the Tuesday before Thanksgiving and uh we showed up on Wednesday night at um, our parents. Both of us have our families live in St. Louis. So we loaded Charlotte up into the car and rode from grandparent to grandparent's house and said, surprise. <laughs> um, and so it was fun. We got to record that. Um, and everyone was just shocked that we had a baby. And then on Thanksgiving Day, we um, surprised our siblings. Um, and so... Mm-hmm just walked into Thanksgiving with a car seat. And, <laughs> uh, when we walked in and surprised um, 
my at my mom's house when we uh, stopped my mom and stepdad's. Uh, she answered the door and she's like, "Oh, who's well, whose baby is that?" And I was like, "Well, <laughs> your granddaughter." And she's like, "What?" <laughs> um, but yeah, people were were really surprised and excited, and um, there were lots of tears that weekend and. Um, the surprise. I was glad when the surprises were finally over because every time standing outside a door, getting ready to knock, um, you know, that was just a little anxiety producing, but it was a lot of fun and, and we enjoyed being able to introduce Charlotte that way. What a, uh, what a unique opportunity yeah. all right before Thanksgiving when family's getting together, right. yes. <laughs> show up at a door. Exactly. Wow. <laughs> What a, a unique story. And I, yes, I can see how there would be many, many tears yeah. and tears of joy and, uh, and excitement for the whole family. As you reflect now on this last year of being a new mom and the, <laughs> all the things that, that, that come with it, new parents, yeah. um, and you, you've learned those many visits to the baby stores and yes, <laughs> yes. and all those things that, that come with being a first time parent. And uh, I don't know uh, if your experience has been like mine, uh, calling the, the pediatricians exchange, like at yes. two in yeah. the morning just, to talk to the just nurse. just did that this weekend. Yes. 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 <laughs> and the, the nurses we talk to are just always so calm and, right. oh, you're, yes, you're a first time parent. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The, yes. Exactly. The second or third child yes. is. <laughs> you know I mean? It's a little easier. <laughs> they were always just so patient. What, um, what were the, what was most challenging through that process for you? Um, as you reflect on it now, what was what was most challenging and would you approach any of it differently? I think the most challenging part was sort of the unknown, mm-hmm. not knowing when it was going to happen and how you, you know, you try as best as you can to move forward with your life. But there's always sort of that in the back of your mind. You know, what if we get the call or what if something comes up? Um, but then also the unknowing of once you're matched, if that is going to actually result in a, a placement and an adoption, because again, it, it won't, it doesn't always work out that way. We were very, very fortunate. Um, and I think that in part is due to the great work that Lutheran does and the support that they give to the the birth mothers and the birth parents. Um, and one of the reasons why we went with them. Um, so I don't know that there would be anything necessarily that we would do differently. I would try not to have so many accidents before uh, <laughs> the worker came. Um, but we are um, we are getting ready, gearing up to go through the process again. Um, and it's kind of it's daunting, you know. If if I had a choice, I would like more time in between my kids. But we don't know how long the mm-hmm. process is going to take, and so we feel like we need to get things ready and um, up again so that we can um, add to our family again. But it's been just a a great blessing and a a wonderful thing. Our daughter is incredible and awesome and challenging, and we can't wait to see the person that she becomes. Tell me about the milestones that you've seen through this first year (laughs) as a new parent. Well, thankfully, uh, when we got her... um, her, uh, the family that had her, um, in foster care, um, was able to get her on our sleep schedule. So we were fortunate that we didn't have those crazy sleep schedules. She usually just woke up once during the night. Um, but you know, <laughs> first teeth walking, uh, first fever, that was 
terrifying and frightening and scary. Um, you know, just um, getting to know your spouse in a different way and diff- seeing how parenting styles are different and how you maneuver around that. And Especially when you're tired. Yes, especially when you're tired. <laughs> And sleep deprived. <laughs> um, and um, she's 13 months now, and so really starting to develop a personality. Um, and so has it's just fun to see the person that she's been, you know, becoming. Um, so you get to do stuff. first birthday. First birthday, yes. We had Halloween. a big first birthday party. Unfortunately, she was sick on Halloween, so. Uh, we dressed her up in the costumes, but didn't get to go out, sent pictures to everyone. Um, but yeah, just all of those firsts, being mm-hmm. able to celebrate those with her christening, um, those sorts of things. And, and the neat thing is, is when you guys had uh, your adoption day, you got to have a celebration too, which yeah. was really neat. We do. did a, a party um, in the park um, after um, the weekend after the adoption, and we just invited all of the people who had supported us and, um, you know, helped us along the way. And, and we build it as not so much, I mean, obviously a celebration of Charlotte's adoption, but also a celebration of our friends and family who helped us because without them, we wouldn't have been able to make it through the process. So had Ted Drews and hung at the park. It wasn't horribly hot, which was nice. And so it was a lot of fun. Definitely an occasion to be marked yes. uh, as a celebration. We need to take a quick break. When we come back from that break, want to learn more about this this process of adoption, the the things you learned along the way as you're preparing for round two. Yes, and uh, and and Melissa will share with us some of the needs today of uh, for uh, adoptive families. What are what adoptive families are needed? What should we um, be considering as we look forward to this process of adoption? You're listening to Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO. Back in a moment. Concordia University, Wisconsin, and Mequon overlooks a half mile of beautiful Lake Michigan shoreline. CUW campus is located 15 miles north of Milwaukee with over 70 undergraduate majors, 28 graduate degree programs, and doctorate programs in pharmacy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and nursing practice. CUW offers online learning and accelerated learning at one of nine Wisconsin centers and one in St. Louis. Traditional or accelerated education, CUW has the program for you. CUW.edu. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. The media attacked President Trump for protecting businesses and organizations from being forced to provide abortion-causing drugs and contraceptives in their insurance plans. They claimed it's a slam dunk that contraceptives reduced the number of pregnancies and abortions. Not so fast. What isn't getting reported is between 1988 and 2015, the number of boys and girls abstaining from sex has considerably increased. In Britain, the largest decline in pregnancies were in areas where sex ed and family planning were cut. Various studies by economists show greater access to family planning resulted in more sexual activity. Get more details in an article by Dr. Michael New 
by visiting lifeissues.org and clicking on the microphone. Like us on Facebook at Life Issues and stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. Want to be actively engaged in meaningful service and put your time and talents into action? Volunteer Connection engages, equips, and empowers individuals to serve the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod and its national and international ministries at the International Center. Come join us as together we make known the love of Christ. To learn more about Volunteer Connection, please call 314-996-1629. Hi, we're Jonathan, Matthew, and Nathaniel Clayton. We listen to KFO every chance we get. One of the shows we like is Thy Strong Word, hosted by Pastor Whedon. One thing I love about Thy Strong Word is how they are able to tie in what great church fathers have said about the passages. I like that Thy Strong Word gets through a whole chapter of the Bible each day and shows the things you never even knew were there. What I like about Thy Strong Word is that Pastor Whedon, the host, is fun and always energetic as he studies the text. We would encourage you to listen to KFUO every chance you get. Just, just like, like we, we do. God's Word is our great heritage and shall be ours forever. I'm William Whedon, LCMS Director of Worship. We romp through the sacred scriptures, rejoicing in the salvation that is ours in Jesus Christ. Thy Strong Word, weekday mornings at 11 on Worldwide KFUO, underwritten by Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Visit them on the web at lhfmissions.org. Are you among the millions of Americans living with chronic pain? If so, you may think prescription opioids are the solution. Truth is, opioids only mask the pain, and they come with serious side effects, from nausea to withdrawal symptoms to overdose. There is another choice, physical therapy. Physical therapists treat pain through movement and exercise. Choose physical therapy. Visit moveforwardpt.com. This public service announcement is brought to you by the American Physical Therapy Association. Rally Day for Worldwide KFUO is Thursday, November 9th. It's your chance to become a first-time day sponsor and support the worldwide ministry of KFUO. You'll hear about the benefits of becoming a day sponsor in the remaining days of 2017 and into 2018, as well as other giving opportunities. Listen on the worldwide KFUO app on your smartphones and tablets and pads on AM850 in St. Louis and online at KFUO.org. However you listen, listen on Rally Day Thursday, November 9th. Welcome back to Faith and Family. November is National Adoption Month. Friends from Lutheran Family and Children's Services of Missouri here to answer our questions about adoption. And Catherine Banks sharing her story of beautiful Charlotte who came into their family about a year ago and uh, celebrating. Uh, you had much to give thanks for, I'm sure, at Thanksgiving last year and this year as well. And, yes. And celebrating that Adoption Day again this year? Uh, yes. We're trying to figure out kind of what our family tradition will be. Mm -hmm. Some families... Uh, celebrate the day that um, the child was actually placed with them. Some families celebrate Adoption Day, mm -hmm. so we're not quite sure which one it will be mm -hmm. for us yet, but that's just part of part of the process and you know it's always nice to have another reason for a party so give the way of my family every occasion is a reason yes, for celebration yes. so you have gotcha day adoption day birthdays we celebrate them all <laughs> there must be cake involved yes, in all too absolutely. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But Melissa, you know, Catherine has shared her their beautiful story of uh, Charlotte coming into their lives, and then not without challenges uh, through the process, particularly angst and and uh, the waiting and the paperwork and those types of things. Those are all things that you know many of us associate with uh, adoption. What are some, perhaps, some misconceptions that we associate with adoption, and how can we dispel those mm-hmm. those myths or misconceptions today? And and also answer frequent questions that you get about adoption as well. Yeah, that's a great question. The I think the myths that we see a lot are around birth parents and the decision, the hard decision that they have to make. Um, a lot of times people see birth parents maybe as giving up and really they're making the hardest choice of their life uh, to give their child a different life than they can give them at that particular time. And there's a lot of grief and loss with it. And sometimes people don't realize uh, how challenging that decision is. And sometimes it comes across when people talk about birth parents that they just don't care about the child. But the rea- the reality is, is they care very much for the child and are trying to make the best decision for the child at that time. Um, so there's that misconception. I can't imagine having to make that, that, that decision for yeah. a, a child that, you know, that, um, as a birth parent to, to decide mm-hmm. whether to parent or to adopt. I, I, I can see what you're saying now that, that there is uh, grief and loss, mm-hmm. um, but also uh, making that, that challenge decision that uh, another family could parent this child and, and give this child perhaps more than I could. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I think the other misconception, well, I know the other misconception is about openness and openness and adoption. We're seeing a lot more openness and adoption. And what we know from research is that it's really good for the child, actually. And when we're looking at adoption, we're child-focused. We're looking at the adoptee. And then the grown-ups are the ones who... Um, can make the best decision for the adoptee. And we know from research that openness is really good for the child, even though it might be hard for the birth parents and the adoptive parents. And so we're seeing a lot of semi-open and open adoptions uh, where birth parents and adoptive parents are getting together before the child is born, um, having time together in the hospital setting, and even growing that relationship to... um, where it's bigger, where they're emailing pictures, maybe they're um, texting, maybe they're doing FaceTime, and maybe they're getting together once a year. Uh, The misconception is that the birth parents are going to show up on their doorstep and want the child back. Uh, We hear that a lot, and and we understand that fear on the adoptive parent's part. One of the things that we do that we try to help adoptive families with is to present birth parents in front of them at an adoption workshop where they can see that birth parents are real and the rawness to it. Um, And that really changes a lot of adoptive parents' uh, perception that they are not going to show up at their doorstep and that I've been doing this for 10 years. I've never seen that circumstance, but because of various TV shows and movies, that is the worst case scenario. And that's what people get in their brain. And then, or the family members of the adoptive parents, they will, they try to guide the, the adoptive couple and they have those misconceptions in their brain. And so they might share those misconceptions or those fears. And so then a lot of times it's the adoptive couple's job to say, um, 
you know, we've done a lot of education and that is likely not to happen. What are the needs today? Mm-hmm. What are, uh, what are the needs when it comes to, to children, uh, today that, that need mm-hmm. adoptive parents? One of the things that we work at, at, at Lutheran is giving birth parents the option of different choices of, of different kinds of families. And, um, so we, we feel like it's important that if a birth family comes to us and they would like a family that's of African American background, or uh, we might see where they want a transracial family, um, where there's an African American uh, person in the family and a Caucasian person in the family that are married. Uh, so what we try to do is we try to offer that as options and want minority couples to come to us or to not necessarily go to Lutheran, but come into adoption, asking questions and knowing that they can adopt and that there are children available for, for adoption. So that is our biggest need. Um, and also for birth parents to reach out to us. A lot of times birth parents think if they contact us that they have to make an adoption plan and that's not the case. They can contact us and we can support them through their decision-making process. So perhaps they don't know what they want to do, but we can we can be there for them and at the level that they need us to be there. Catherine had a, a bit of an advantage coming into this, being mm-hmm. familiar with uh, the the legal aspects of of adoption and, and family law. And what are for for the typical family? Uh, thinking about adoption for the first time, um, what are the the things that they need to be thinking of? What are those first steps mm-hmm. for them as they even consider adoption? I always tell families that I think it's important for them to contact more than one agency because what matters is that it's a fit for their family and what might be great for one family may not be great for another family. Uh, so that that is always my recommendation. Some families would like to travel outside of the United or out, not outside of the United States. I'm talking about international adoption. Some families would like to travel outside of Missouri, and they're open to that. Um, and that makes their option they they have more options because of that. Whereas here we at Lutheran we do just the state of Missouri in regards to adoption and helping birth parents. Um, and so I I talk with families about their different options and what, and what do they what are they looking for in an agency? What do they feel comfortable with an agency? At our agency, we do a sliding scale fee when it comes to our adoption fees. A lot of times people think that adoption is not affordable for them. And um, we we work to work with all families so that every family can adopt. A lot of times people say, well, why does adoption cost money? And that is a big question that people have. And even friends and family wonder that question on my end. But we offer a service and we provide support to the birth parents and the adoptive family. We have to have a building. We have to have computers, fax, all those sort of mm-hmm. things. And um, unfortunately, that costs money. And so we're not we're not in adoptions to make money. We're in adoptions to like I, like as I mentioned before, for the adoptee and the birth parents and the adoptive parents, the adoption triad. And so um, one of the the things that families have been able to use is what's called an adoption tax credit, and um, that's a federal adoption tax credit. 
that families are able to use where they get, they're able to recoup almost up to $14,000 in what their adoption costs. And that can be any, any related adoption cost. Unfortunately, I just found out last night that the um, government is trying to eliminate that adoption tax credit with the adoption tax reform. I mean, excuse me, with the tax reform. And um, that is... Uh, something that we want to advocate to keep because it makes it affordable for families to be able to adopt. Um, it makes it uh, a great resource for uh, adoptees uh, so that they can get into families and not be in the foster care system. And so we really want to advocate for um, everybody to get out there and legislate to make sure that that continues for families. And it, it really does make a difference Um you know, that is part of the consideration for us in terms of being able to afford it is knowing that on on the back end, we would be able to recoup um, some of, of what we paid. Um, and I belong to, you know, gotta love Facebook. There's groups now for everything. <laughs> um, but I belong to several different groups, um, national and also local. And that was really um, a lot of the chatter online last night was people really concerned about how cutting this would impact their ability to move forward with either a first adoption or people like us who are, you know, looking at second or third adoptions. Um, it really is going to have an impact, I think, on children being able to find permanent um, homes. And it doesn't just affect families that are wanting to adopt infants. We, I receive phone calls on a regular basis from relatives who want to adopt a child that's been in their care for a long time. They've decided to go forward with the adoption. Um, they need a home study and they need legal representation. And those services can't be for free because everybody needs to be paid for their services. And it, those families can use the adoption tax credit as well. And so those kiddos could continue in the system if they're not able to be adopted. So it's not just families that are adopting internationally or adopting families adopting domestic uh, domestically through the infant program. It's all families that want to adopt, whether it's foster care, relative, um, guardianship. So that's the, the, the saddest part of this change that could happen. That's significant. I wasn't aware of that. I, I was aware of the, the tax credit before, but I didn't realize that that, that was a possibility that that uh, could go away with tax reform. Hmm. Yeah, there's a, there's a page called Save the Adoption Tax Credit that we highly recommend families get to and um, con contact their congressperson about it. Yeah. How, walk us through more of that process, uh, how LF, CS helps families through this adoption process like Catherine's family? So um, as we've mentioned, the home study process, we're there. We're there through the post-placement process, which means that once the child is placed with the family, um, we are required through the state of Missouri to provide six months of supervision. And so we go, it's not, um, a lot of times people think it's, we're going to go in and possibly take the child away. That's not, that's not what we're doing. We're going in to provide support and education for the family. One of the things that I talk a lot about with 
families is the Parents as Teacher program and encouraging families to get involved in the Parents as Teacher program with their child or um, any sort of resources that's going on. You know, we're screening for the possibility of any developmental delays while we're there and giving them some uh, resources. So that that's one of the things that we do. And then afterwards, we at Lutheran say once a client, always a client, whether it's on the birth parent, adoptee. Or you keep adopting like the banks. Yeah, yes. We, we actually hope. <laughs> yes, she contacted me and said, we're thinking about adoption. I'm like, right now? Let's, go. <laughs> Let's do, do it. it. Yes. And so we may have families that are going through challenging times and maybe the the kiddo is having questions about their adoption. We may we may give them some ideas of books to read to their child or some therapist resources. Not to say that every child that is adopted are, are having challenges, but if a family was to contact us, we would be giving them those resources. Um, there's another, so for example, right now, there's what's called the Missouri Adoptee Rights Act, and what's happening is that uh, the families uh, that, and I was hoping to go over this information to get that out. So, birth parents, um, what what we wanted to know is anybody that adoptee before born before 1941 may request a copy of his or her original birth certificates, and that started in August of 2016. But adoptees born. Uh, after 1941 are going to be able to request a copy of his or her original birth certificate beginning January 1st, 2018. And so one of our jobs right now, since we've been doing adoption for a really long time, is to get that information out. And the reason that that's going to affect people is because um, a lot of people went into adoption wanting that confidentiality, especially um, at that particular time. And what that means, what that change means is that uh, adoptees can come in and get their original birth certificate or get their original birth certificate that has their birth parents name on it and the 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 way that that let's say a birth parent does not want that information to get out is they can they can get a form and ask for that information to continue to remain confidential and we w- we want to get that information out by January and so what we're telling everybody that we can tell is the resources of how do we get that information. And so we want families that if they want to keep it confidential to go to uh, www.healthmo.gov and we can give you that information to put on your website and they can request that that information remain confidential if they would like it. If they don't request it remain confidential, then uh, adoptees can go and get that information, get their original birth certificate and find out who their birth parents' names are. And that's because Beginning January of 2018. That's right. Yes. So, go, ahead. go ahead. So the one of the re- one of the things for us is to continue to remain abreast of what's going on, mm-hmm. laws changes, and um, we're we're doing a lot of. Uh, getting out and sharing that information. We're calling nursing homes. Uh, we're calling. Uh, diff- we're, we're going to different. Uh, getting out on the uh, TV, radio, any way that we can get the information out. We'll, we'll include that with uh, that information with the archive of today's program, the, the podcast, um, and on demand on our website. 
you know, Catherine has shared the, the beautiful story of their adoption of Charlotte, a, a newborn. There are many types of, uh, there are several mm-hmm. types of adoption. Can you walk us through the different types uh, of adoption? Or, or explain to us a, a few of the differences, different types of adoption. Sure. One of the, the things that has been positive this year is we just got Hague accredited again, and that is a governmental process where we can help families with intercountry adoptions where they adopt um, outside of the United States, and we do home studies and post placements for those families. Uh, we don't, we're not a, a direct placement r- resource for them, but a lot of families will contact us. Uh, for, for example, we just had a family adopt for an older child from Colombia, the country of Colombia. And then we just had another family who adopted a, a family from China that had special needs, had a cleft lip and palate, and um, they're bringing that child home soon. So we're able to help those families with that process. Uh, we do the educational component, we do the home study, and then we do the post-placement services and um, we're able to serve many, many families that way. As I mentioned, we have um, lots of relative situations where a relative comes and um, wants to finalize the adoption. So we, we see those sort of things. We also, as Catherine mentioned, we do um, emergency respite foster care. So if a, if a family is having a crisis in their family, we can offer foster care for a child that's five years and under, uh, up to a month of foster care so that a family can get their life back together. And sometimes the circumstances that we see those situations for are maybe a family is homeless. Um, We've seen situations where they're living in their car and obviously it's cold and the the child needs to be in a safe place. Uh, Maybe there's not any room at a shelter or maybe the family just feels more comfortable in their car versus in a shelter. Um, or perhaps they don't have daycare or they're getting ready to um, start a new job and, and, and they need a place for the child to go. So we, we offer that as an option. And then we also offer, as a birth parent is trying to make a decision, um, we do not want to pressure a birth family into making that decision. And so we would we would put the child into a loving foster home at, just through Lutheran and while, while the family is making their decision giving them some some space and and taking away some of that pressure then while they're while they have that make while they have that very important decision to make yes and the family can continue mm-hmm. to the birth family can continue to visit the child at at the whatever's m- most convenient for the foster family and the birth family and we work very hard to continue those relationships and the foster family for Charlotte was very helpful for us because we had that period of time where we weren't telling anyone so I felt like um, foster mom especially kind of filled in that role of grandparent for us so was able to answer you know the questions or when I couldn't get her car seat uh, buckle right. You know, she showed me how to fix that. Um, but I, I, that was a, a really special relationship for us. So she gave us a book of pictures of Charlotte um, from when Charlotte was in her home. So we don't, we're sad that we didn't have that early mm-hmm. time with her, but we didn't miss it because we have pictures of that. You know, the car seat is really just a test of your parenting patience. Oh, it completely is. <laughs> completely. <laughs> you want to see how complicated it can get. Right. <laughs> what, um, we have just a couple of minutes left, uh, about three minutes left. Um, 
What is your advice to anyone thinking about uh, adoption for the first time? Um, what words of wisdom or uh, words of encouragement you might share with the, that person listening right now? Um, I think you have to be willing to take a leap of faith and step out on faith, and it can be very scary. Um, I would feel remiss if I didn't also put in a plug because of the work that I do. I work with a lot of youth in foster care, older youth, and there is a huge need for older youth in foster care for uh, forever homes. Um, it is scary. It is daunting to bring a child that is not yours into your home. Um, but it is an incredible blessing that um, I don't think words can even explain. And so you just have to be willing to sort of take a step out there in a place that you're uncomfortable, maybe, and be willing to find the people who support, can support you and help mm-hmm. you move through that, that journey. But it's an incredible process. Well, we have a beautiful mm-hmm. story on our web, on our Facebook page, um, about, about a family that had a kiddo that was in their foster care home and it ended up be moving towards adoption. And so there's a beautiful story. So you can find that on, uh, the LFCS Facebook page, yes. you say? Yes. We'll look for that as well. Uh, Give about two minutes, uh, walk us through that first step that we need to take um, and and resources available for those who are considering adoption, the the, the initial resources they might want to look at. Yeah, so you can uh, take a look at our website at lfcsmo.org and there's lots of information about adoption on there. Um, You can contact me at 314-754-2739. That's my direct number. Or you can contact us, our our agency, at 314-787-5100. So lfcsmo.org is the website, a a number of uh, resources available on the website, including not just adoption, but other services that uh, Lutheran Family and Children's Services of Missouri provides, uh, the uh, foster care that we were talking about just a little bit ago, as, as well as other services provided by LFCS. Absolutely. What about, are there, um, are there uh, meetings or orientation or workshop, or, you know, if you Mm -hmm. have questions uh, that, that, you know, I, I just want to uh, to learn a little bit more, more than what I might just read. I want to ask questions yes. in person, that sort of thing. Yes. On our website, it has information about our informational meetings offered in every region in, in Missouri. We have different regions. And so you can check out when that next meeting will be. And uh, we also, the other thing I didn't get a chance to talk about is how we do offer uh, support services for our adoptive families. We have playdates where we get together. So that information is on there. And we also have a Facebook page for our birth parents where they can stay in touch with um, other birth parents that have gone through the same sort of grief and loss and they, they offer support to each other. So birth families, birth parents can, can contact LFCS too about the, the adoption process as well. Absolutely. If they have questions or they're mm-hmm. considering it, or even if they're, they, they don't know what to do, we can offer them services beyond just um, they have to make an adoption plan. Mm-hmm. Our guest today, Melissa Frederick, she's the program manager of adoption services for Lutheran Family and Children's Services uh, of, of Missouri. Uh, Melissa, always a pleasure to have you in studio. Thanks so much for sharing uh, about adoption this uh, National Adoption Month. Thanks so much for being my guest today and coming back. 
Thank you for having me. And uh, Catherine Banks, uh, proud mom of beautiful <laughs> Charlotte. Catherine, thank you so much for sharing your story today and, and, and inspiring us, encouraging us to consider adoption. Thank you for having me. Coming up in just a little bit, Thy Strong Word. Pastor Parviz in studio today to host Thy Strong Word on the Messenger of Good News Worldwide KFUO. been listening to Faith and Family, produced by Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518, or you can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO.